Johnny and Billy were uh, playing at Johnny's house. They were playing hide and seek. And Johnny, uh, it was his turn, so he hid. And he was excited because he, he had the best hiding place ever. And he's like, you know, Billy's never going to find me. And he was so excited. He was so happy. He was giggling to himself as he, as he hid while Billy counted down. And then he heard Billy counting down and he heard Billy say, ready or not, here I come. And he heard Billy looking for him. And he's just hiding there giggling and happy. And then... He could hear, you know, Billy getting a little frustrated because he couldn't find, find Johnny. And, and this went on for a while, and, and Johnny was waiting, and he was waiting, and waiting. And he realized, wait, he didn't hear anything. He didn't hear uh, Billy anymore, so he kind of peeked out from his hiding place. And sure enough, uh, Billy was gone. See, Billy. Uh, got so tired of looking that he left and he went home and he didn't tell Johnny that he was leaving just left well Johnny was just furious then he was also hurt that his best friend would just leave him there and they started to cry just sobbing and he ran into the house tell his parents what Billy had done to him. His dad was sitting there in the living room reading his tablet and Johnny runs over to him and just buries his face in his father's lap, sobbing. His dad says, you know, uh, Johnny, tell me what happened. What's wrong? I said, well, and he's just heaving, you know, how kids get when they're crying and he couldn't barely get the words out. And finally he says, you know, I was playing hide-and-seek with Billy, and I had the best hiding place ever, and he left. Just walked away, went home. I'm never going to play with him again. And his dad's comforting him, and he looks up, as he's hugging Johnny, he looks up and he sees the crucifix on the opposite wall, and he has this idea, and he says, he says to Johnny, Johnny, look at the cross. Look at Jesus. He says, you know, what Billy did to you today, because that was not a nice thing, was it? No, it wasn't nice. What he did to you today, people did to Jesus. And people are still doing it to Jesus. Johnny stops and is like, what? He says, yeah. See, God has the best hiding place. The best hiding place ever. And he's waiting, and he's waiting for us to find him. And sometimes people get tired of looking for him, and they stop, and they leave. Johnny, this happens all the time. Even we do it. God has the best hiding place. See, he came and hid himself in our flesh. Jesus has come and he's hid himself in our lives. He's hid himself in our mess, in our sins, in our brokenness, in our sorrow, in our anger. He's come and he's hidden himself in all that stuff. And we look for him. 
But we don't want to look for him in those places. We, we go to other things. So Johnny, you go and you find Billy and you forgive him. And you play. Brothers and sisters, Jesus found the best hiding place. Hiding in plain sight. In the midst of your life, my life, and all of the stuff that goes with it. He's right there. And we got to look for him. See, uh, let's take Peter for example. Now, last week, he was the top dog, right? You remember last week's gospel? You were, you know, who do people say that I am? Jesus asked the disciples. And, and they say, yeah, they don't know who you are. I mean, they're looking for you, but they, you're right here and they don't even see you. They can't find you. They think you know, you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. You're right there. You're right. And they can't, find, they can't see you. But who do you say? And Peter says, you're the Christ, you're God. And Jesus is like, yeah. And Peter, because you got this right, and you're going to be the Pope. You're going to be my, my steward, my vicar, right? And so Peter's like, woo, I've made it. And so right now in this gospel today, it continues. And, he, and Jesus says, oh, by the way, this is what it means. If you're going to be my vicar, my follower, my disciple, if you're going to be a Christian, this is what it, this is what it goes. This is what goes with it. You know, that you're, I'm going to be taken, arrested, mocked, scourged, beaten, crucified. I'm going to die. And Peter's like, whoa, slow down. That's not what I want. Surely it doesn't have to happen to you, Lord. What Peter's really saying is that I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be your follower, but I don't want to suffer. I want to be your follower, but I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to have to have, to have mess in my life. I don't want to have people walk away. Jesus says, that's the deal. He says, get behind me, Satan. This is awesome. Because you... you to get the, the gist of that, you go back to earlier in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus goes out to the desert to be tempted, remember, by Satan? And when he's getting tempted by Satan, Satan tempts him with three things. Stones and a bread, throw yourself off the parapet of the temple and the angels are going to catch you, and then I'm going to bring you up to the mountain, You're going to see, I'm going to show you all the kingdoms of the world, you're going to see them, and I'm going to give them to you if you just bow down and worship me. Why is that significant? Because in the, in, in the very beginning, in, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were tempted by Satan. With what? That fruit. What was the fruit? It was pleasing to the eye, good to the taste, and good for wisdom. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. They failed. So, Jesus comes to the desert to beat the devil at his own game. What does the devil do? Same old trick. Food, uh, stones into bread, lust of, lust of the flesh. Uh, throwing yourself off the temple and the angel's going to catch you and people are going to think you're amazing. The pride of life. Show you all the kingdoms of the world. Lust of the eyes. Threefold concupiscence. Money, sex, power. Nothing's changed. What trips us up? The same things. So Jesus says to Peter, you're acting like Satan did when he tried to beat me in the desert. Stop it. Get behind me. You're not in front of me telling me where to go, which is what we do. Like Jesus is some kind of vending machine. Does whatever we say. He says, No. You get behind me and you follow me and you're going to go where I go and I'm going to Jerusalem I'm going to suffer and die but, and this is the thing that Peter missed he was so caught up in his fear of what was going to happen 
As a follower, he didn't, get to, he didn't listen to the last word and be raised. If you want to have the resurrection, you got to have the stuff that goes before it. If you want to be with me, you got to get behind me. Stop trying to tempt me out of my mission. What was Jesus' mission? To undo what Satan did to Adam and Eve in the beginning. That's why he beats the devil in the, gar in the desert. That's what's going to happen on the cross. You want, you want the resurrection, you've got to go with me. You've got to pick up your cross every day and follow me. See, we, we, our culture is so bizarre. You know, it's, it's, it's great. We, we have a, a, a lovely world and, and we have lots of fun stuff. But there's also this element that is like bred into us. And maybe it's what we inherited from our first parents. That we don't want to suffer. And so we'll use all of God's greatness, all the gifts that he bestows upon us to not just, not to be faithful disciples, but to run away from suffering, to do what Peter did. How much money and effort and time do we put in to trying to make suffering in our life go away? To create this little happy bubble uh, in our life that keeps everything bad away. There's no such place, first of all. It's never going to happen. We're never going to accomplish that. So why are we working so hard to do it? How much money, time, effort? How much booze and drugs and sex and material things do I need in my life so that I think I'll be safe and happy? That's concupiscence. Get behind me, Jesus says. Follow me. I'll pick up, you're going to pick up the cross, but you're going to be raised. So, and ultimately, it's this. We don't want to suffer. But when we take suffering out of the equation, we also take joy. And we end up living this mediocre middle ground. Yeah, we don't suffer, but we also don't reach the peaks and the joys of what it means to really be in each other's lives and loving and, and being Jesus for each other. The, o the only joyful moments of our life truly come when we love and are, are mixed up in all the situations of daily life. If we mitigate suffering and push that away, we're never going to get up here. We're just going to be these, these mediocre creatures stumbling day to day, w looking for our next fix. What's the next thing I can buy? What's the next thing I can eat? What's the next drug I can take? What's the next relationship I can just you know, wallow in? That's, a, that's what's so bizarre about our culture. Look at the cross, Jesus. Or the, Johnny's dad said, look at the cross. You want to be happy? You got to love like this. You want to be raised? You got to die like this. See, you cannot love without suffering. Why? Because to love is to will the good of the other. And when I will the good of the other, I deny myself. I die to myself. That's painful, that's suffering, that's death. It's just, it, we don't like it. But if I want to love, I got to do it. If I want to be happy, I got to do it. If I want to reach the peaks, I got to do it. Don't be afraid. Jesus says. He's got us. He's giving himself to us. He's hidden himself in the stuff of our life. You know, I get up in the morning uh, and I try to shake the cobwebs out and I sit there for a minute trying to garner my energy to begin a new day. You know what those first few moments of waking up are, right? You just want to like, crawl back into bed and <laughs> pull the covers over your head and just slumber. It's like that 
feeling, you know. But you get up, and you sit, I sit there, and I, as I'm sitting there, I look across uh, from my bed, there's my dresser, and on my dresser are all these pictures, and on those pictures are all like my siblings and their weddings, and my parents and their, their, their wedding, and our, their, all these like composites of us growing up together, and, and I see my ordination, and it's like, boy, everybody's so happy. Wouldn't it be great if we'd just be happy like this all the time? But that love that binds us all together, and those, the love that's so evident in those pictures only comes because in the midst of all that happiness, life is in between. In the midst of all that happiness and joy, there's suffering and tragedy and sorrow, and, and you know, there's, there's failures, there's arguments, there's conflicts, there's fights. Yeah, there's, there's all the happy moments, but the happy moments are there because all that other stuff is there. If you get rid of all the other stuff, you don't get the good stuff. Stop running away. Embrace life. Embrace your sins. Embrace, uh, you know, all the suffering that, that gets presented to us on a daily basis. Jesus is hiding there. He's waiting for you to find him so he can heal that stuff and convert it and, and transform it into the joy of, of the Christian life and the promise of eternal life. Huh? There it is. God has the best hiding place. In a minute, you're going to see it. See, we're so afraid to follow Jesus. We're so afraid to find him because of what it might do to my life and change me. So what does he do because we're afraid? Do you know what he does? His best hiding place of all. See, the one thing we're not afraid of is food. The one thing we're not afraid of is a, is a God, the creator of the universe, who comes down and hides himself under the appearance of bread. We're not afraid of bread. Are you afraid of bread? He knows we're not afraid of food or bread. He comes to us in the most basic, elemental uh, need that we have and desire that we, we, we want filled. Food. He hides himself. He's waiting. And you're going to get up in a minute. And you're going to come down that aisle. And you're going to be looking for him because you know when you find him, you're going to find yourself. Body of Christ. What are we all going to say together in our little fragile, tiny hearts? What are we going to say? Ready or not, here I come.